This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Untold Story podcast. I'm very excited to have Dana Prino with me this morning. And I am so fascinated by this whole process, the second RNC debate. I thought you guys did a fantastic job. I thought your questions were spot on and you were very grounded uh, in the middle of, you know, what gets chaotic at times. You're, just your overall take on it now that you've sort of like slept on it and, and mm-hmm. woken up the next day. Well, I have to back up and say, one, this is one of the best podcasts that are out there. So if you are listening to this for the first time, subscribe. You'll thank love it you. every single week. I love it. I love it. Yeah, so, thank you. Also, thank you for your time and your advice. You're very generous. I would say the same it. for Dana on politics, <laughs> I must add. Um, so we're both oh, in that the Perino on politics is pretty fun. <laughs> 100%. I just re- I just recorded a new one with Josh Kroshar. Um, One of the best things about that in this podcast, I think, especially for moms, the moms love it. So I I felt like at the end of the debate, I had had a triple espresso on an empty stomach. (laughs) I I knew that all the candidates were going to feel a real need to have a moment. I didn't think they would all try to have the moment at the same time. (laughs) I do. I did know from the debate you and Brett did that one of the di- most difficult things is controlling the debate. But I do think there was something really interesting in the difference. So in Milwaukee, one of the things we're having to deal with was not just the candidates, but you had a crowd of what six thousand people. And yeah, that's true. A lot of bodies were, in there. Yep, they were rowdy. They were rocks. They were excited, and there was a lot of energy in the room. And it just felt like, wow, here we are. So that was 6,000 people. Last night at the Reagan Library, this was the first time they've had this large of a crowd and we got as many people in as we could and it was 730 people there. I was going to call them witnesses, <laughs> but uh, audience members and seven candidates, three moderators. And I I don't know if anyone had a great breakout moment. I think some of them had changed their strategy from one debate to the next. I think consensus pretty much is that Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis continue to be in the top two, and that's why they're there. Vivek Ramaswamy, he really, to me, I don't know if you agree, Martha, sort of changed his tactic, whereas he was so aggressive and in your face and annoying a lot of people on the debate stage at the first debate. In this one, he was a little bit more humble in a way, right? A little bit more self-deprecating, a little bit cooperative, like, hey, I love everybody on this stage. Everybody's great. Even and, though you're all bought and paid for. Yeah. <laughs> you're my Tim, best friend. Yeah, Tim Scott was having none of that. Um, I know. I, I also, I think that Vice President Pence missed a great opportunity to talk about Obamacare. I asked him about Obamacare and he decided to talk about mass shootings and gun violence. Yes, was, that was wow. weird. I thought like, that why was are you weird. Doing that? Yeah, I, I thought that, you know, it's interesting when you have that moment, as you point out, where you feel like, and you know, sometimes you try to put people back on their heels a little bit. That's part of the process. But there are also times when you when you have a question like you did there where it felt like a perfect opportunity for him to, you know, to score, to do well on yeah. it. And, and he pivoted, which is interesting. And so, yeah, so that that, that was all happening. Um, Doug Burgum, 
he's a very interesting guy. He barely made the debate stage. He's a governor of North Dakota. Barely makes the debate stage. Makes some great comments. I'm reading a lot of the coverage he this did. morning. And he's, he realized this is the guy who knows how to run a farm. He knows how to run a business. He knows how to create a business and create jobs. He's also somebody who's willing to be a public servant, returns to North Dakota, runs that state very well. I think that at one point, Ron DeSantis was like, it's not that hard to run North Dakota. Uh, (laughs) I think that was kind of his point. But anytime you have someone with executive experience like that, that can make a point. I think he did very, very well for himself. Now, does that make a difference? I don't know. I actually, Martha, felt like well, I'll wait to see the polls. I just don't see any big movement out of that debate. You know, one of the, we'll see. Um, I, I think a lot of people sort of have that feeling that it's, it may be time for some of these folks to move on and they may get nudged there by their backers, uh, by their donor. <laughs> yeah, well, so the last question I had was to that point, which is a lot of Republicans want to know, if you guys are serious, then this field has to narrow if you are actually going to try to take on President Trump, because mathematically it doesn't work if it doesn't happen. And they all docked on wanting to write down who should be voted off the island, even though that's what all the Republican voters are wanting to know. And also, Martha, you know this, their campaigns call us every day to tell us why somebody else should drop out of the race. Yep. But they just don't want to say it publicly. <laughs> exactly. And I liked it, Dana, because I thought it forced it raised a question that a lot of people watching were thinking at that point, at the very end of the night, you know, and I think it would have been, I thought it was very interesting that, um, and Stuart said, you know, to Christy, it looked like you were writing something down. Would you write? And he said, I wasn't, but I would have written Trump. And, and I thought, boy, that could have been an interesting moment if they all wrote Trump, which in a way is what they should have done because they are all there because they believe he shouldn't be the nominee. So, yeah. But that would have put them in a difficult spot because uh, some of them are running like Vivek, for example, on the idea that they are very supportive of the former president and they want to keep his folks, you know, in their in their fold. So I, I, I was, you know, we always look for those sort of interesting, yeah. provocative moments. And I, I thought it really was. I thought it really I was. think my I think my original ending question might have been better. I'll tell you what it is since I didn't use it. Um, I said that I wanted to go down the row and say one word answer dog or cat. Well, that would be really a deal breaker for me. <laughs> I would have to cross a few people off the list if they gave the wrong answer to that question. I mean, As a person who has two dogs, I, I think you know where I stand on that. But um, it could tell you a lot. It could tell you a lot. It really Maybe. does. That is so funny. You know, I always like to end with like that slightly lighter yeah. question because it does. One of the things we don't get because we're, you know, obviously so focused on on the issues and on holding their feet to the fire on, on the issues is that kind of, you know, lighter moment. It would be great if you had like maybe fewer people and, and a little more time to get into some yeah. of, of the issues. Did you feel like and, and you guys absolutely set them up for this, but did you feel like anybody really nailed the magnitude of we're here at the Reagan Library? Right. And And, you know, this is a person who all of you claim to sort of be your North Star. And who I are think that they, I think they all tried a little bit, but yeah. you know, it, it's very, I didn't see anybody who was the great communicator as Reagan was named. And when Reagan asked that question, are you better off today than you were four years ago? Every single Republican candidate and, and maybe a Democratic candidate has used that question in their campaigns 
since 1980. So guys, can we come up with something new? I don't know. Um, I, and I think that it encapsulates things. Get, I want to mention one particular topic. I brought up childcare, which might sound for some people like a small issue or like a narrow issue on the economy. But the more I looked into it, Martha, this issue is going, it's one consuming people's minds right now. There are moms and dads having to make a decision. It doesn't make any financial sense for me to keep working. Right. And that's a terrible decision if you're in the middle of your career, you have young children. We should want to help families do that. But on Saturday, on Saturday, September 30th, this childcare funding runs out. That was pandemic era aid. And about 70,000 daycare centers could close. I read these statistics that blew my mind. In most places, the uh, childcare costs $10,000 a month. In places like the, um, in Brooklyn or in the Bronx, excuse me, it was costing up to 47% of somebody's monthly income. Then the government takes another, well, then what's left? And I was wondering, like, is anyone going to say, I feel, I don't want moms and dads to have to worry. And mm-hmm. I don't think anybody said, I am going to help people sleep better at night. The Untold Story continues right after this. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it, <clears throat> a real POS. You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. So it, I think it's a great point. And I heard um, a, a mom, I think on Fox and Friends the other day, basically saying that she's going to have to either get a different job or she's going to have to figure out if she has family who can take over her childcare. And it is such a struggle because people, you know, we're not seeing wage increase to meet this, um, this huge cost. And yeah, we have to, we have to figure out a solution. That would have been a great opportunity. Um, I, Mm -hmm. I, I totally agree with you. So it did feel like sometimes they kept pivoting away from what was a good opportunity just to make sure they got in the thing that they were sure they wanted to say. Or, or even if they wanted to say something like, Joe Biden has made this problem so much worse. He's ignored the problem. They knew this aid was ending. They've not done anything to try to make it work. And it's, it felt almost like the baby formula crisis where all of a sudden it's a crisis and they say, oh, nobody told him that it was a crisis. But the moms and dads really do feel it out there. And it's not just low income families that are dealing with it. It's really, really troubling. So that was on my mind as well as a million other things. You were right. The one thing you told me was um, you would edit the whole time going down, like crossing out questions, deleting questions. And it's wild to be in the moment with the producers in your ear saying, we got to cut that one. You got to cut that one. And when you yeah. have seven camps, you right. have eight. That, and you have to make sure they all have an equal number of questions. And you're on a text thread to make sure you can communicate. And then the campaigns are saying, why can't it's only had two minutes? And I'm like, ah. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of it's a lot of incoming, which you handled absolutely gracefully, oh, beautifully. Um, you know, I, I wonder what what's your big picture thought, you know, having watched a lot of campaigns and been on the inside of, a, you know, a presidency. As you look at where this whole thing is going, because I keep going back to these numbers that show, you know, Trump and Biden is not the choice that people want. I know. And yet it seems to be that's where we're headed. Or does your does your sort of spider sense tell you that something's going to come down the pike here and change this equation? 
I feel like two months ago, I would have told you that I really believed that anything could happen on either side, right? That the Republicans could have some sort of major shakeup or breakthrough or that Biden would say, gosh, guys, I think I'm going to take a back seat and let the new next generation move forward. Mm-hmm. And now I actually don't think so, partly because like if I always say, if, if I had to bet my mom's entire retirement savings, I would say that the two candidates that will be the choice will be Trump and Biden, because that's just logical. And I, if I had to bet all that money, I would do that. I still think, of course, there might be a way and things could happen. I almost feel like it's more likely to change on the Democratic side than on the Republican side. President Trump is running as a general election candidate. I think he's basically, he's so mad. He doesn't want to have the RNC debates anyway. He's told them no more debates. The the, the RNC has said, no, we're going to continue to debate. We're going to do this process. They wish he would participate. But one of the most telling things, Martha, is that yesterday, the Biden campaign bought their first ads that were really targeted towards only one person. It was a general election type of ad. And it was only against Donald Trump. They know that they don't want to run against any of these other guys, especially Nikki Haley. Absolutely not. That's right. They they want that nominee to be Trump. A lot of Trump supporters want that nominee to be Trump. And if this field on the Republican side doesn't narrow, it will just obviously be Trump. Yeah, that is I I completely feel the way that you do about this. A couple of months ago and decreasingly as it's gone through time, felt like anything can happen. But. And, and it feels less that way now because I yep. think um, I think it, you know like Nevada uh, the filing is like October eighteenth or something like that. However, I don't know. Just my gut tells me that something will happen, and and I don't know what it is. I don't know. Either. Well, that's that that is kind of the exciting thing about this yeah. election because you sort of feel like if America is really this unhappy with the choice between these two front runners, can't America get to a better decision or, or a better choice. Yeah. And if, and if they right. can't, then I would say the primary system is pretty messed up. It is, right? And that, you know what, that's the question I want to end on, Dana, because you brought this up when we were talking um, a little while ago. And I, I want to talk about this because it's weird that such a small group of people, and it's always been this way, but such a small group of people decide the momentum in the entire mm-hmm. race. And it happens in the first you know, certainly by Super Tuesday. Um, but really it happens after Iowa, New Hampshire, and then, then South Carolina. Then you have this situation on Super Tuesday where, you know, the delegates are sewn up in many ways that would that throw the weight. So talk about that. What do you think about that? It, so it's kind of crazy. I don't think people really get it. So two things on that. First of all, the Trump team, led by the brilliant Susie Wiles and Chris Lasavita, One of the things they've been doing is going around to the state parties and changing the rules of the party to make the state party do all the delegates to the winner take all rather than proportional. Why does that matter? Because he's right now, he would likely win all of those. And so why, by the time you get to Super Tuesday, he could have all the delegates he needs in order to win the nomination. So they've been really smart and apparently the RNC had told the other campaigns, you'll be, be mindful of this. And they weren't able, they either didn't deal with it or they weren't able to. So there's that. But also I believe that there's a idea that's been floating around for a while. And I think it's one that the Republicans and the Democrats should come together on and really think about. Now, if you're in Iowa or New Hampshire, don't get mad at me for saying this, but 
there's an idea of doing like a regional rolling primary mm. so that you would have the candidates maybe in, let's just pick, it's eight states that, and they and those eight states would go first on a day. And then the next month it would be another group of eight and another group of eight and so that you have a rolling primary. Then the next cycle, you would start with a different group and you would do it that way so that you have candidates that are not just going to Iowa and New Hampshire in order to run because the Democrats now are looking at Iowa saying, we can't compete there. Like, why would we even go? Why would we bother? And Republicans, like, like they look at, like, Chris Christie is doing pretty well in New Hampshire. So is Trump. Mm-hmm. But the next one, but like Chris Christie, New, Nikki Haley doing pretty well too. DeSantis mm-hmm. really going down there. So, and I would imagine the rest of the states are like, well, what about us? And right. I think this idea of a regional rolling primary is really worth exploration. It is very interesting. And, you know, the idea that a handful of people in a few states get to decide who the nominee is. Um, before people really feel like dealing or getting involved or going to caucuses or voting. And of course they should, but, you know, should they have to suffer the consequences of what happened um, just because they don't want to go, you know, over a year before the election and and make up their mind. So, and, you know, um, this could be a really good question for Sean Hannity to ask Gavin Newsom and Ron DeSantis when he um, moderates their debate on November 30th. Oh my gosh. We should get together and watch that debate together. I cannot I wait for that. Yeah, let's do that. Let's I do asked that. Jay Wallace if we could get the auditorium in the building so we could watch it all together. Idea. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Let's do that. Take care. Okay, Thanks, Martha. Bye. Thank Bye. you to Dana Perino for joining me on the Untold Story podcast. After the big debate, look forward to all of our political coverage as we get deep into our 2024 coverage here on the Untold Story. Have a great day. You've been listening to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Make sure to rate and review. For more podcasts, go to foxnewspodcast.com. Listen ad-free with the Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. The Fox News Rundown, a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.